Welcome to Detour to Neverland, your guide to living your best Disney life through your hobby or business. Here's your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 84. Before we get into our interview, we're going to announce our giveaway winner from last episode, which is a t-shirt from Bay Lake Design. It's the Andy Security shirt. Um, so one of our favorite designs. So excited to be able to give one of these away to you guys. And so we ran our random generator and our winner is Joni from Facebook. So Joni, we will be reaching out to you to get your information so we can send you that t-shirt and hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoy that design. Mm -hmm. So our giveaway for this episode is one we're really excited about, and it is a pair of Hercules ears from our friends Lauren and Lizzie at Eerie and Enchanting Design. So you guys, if you follow us on Instagram, you might remember they sent Catherine a pair of Kevin ears. And they're, like, the greatest things on the planet. They are amazing. I mean, I don't think we can say enough good things about Lauren and Lizzie. They're just so creative. They are so talented. And Hercules is another one of our favorite movies of all times ever. So we're going to be so excited to see these ears and then to be able to share them and send them to one of you. So, of course, if you're interested in entering, um, you know what to do. Just take a screenshot, send it to us, show us that you're listening, you know, post it up for everyone else to see um, so other people will listen as well, and you will be entered to win um, this really great pair of ears from our friends at Eerie and Enchanting. So today's episode is one that we are super excited about. We are talking to Lisa, who you can find as the Castle Runner on Instagram and thecastlerun.com. And although she does blog a lot about running, um, I think what you're going to see in our interview with her is her story and everything that she does goes so far beyond running. Um, and it was really just a joy to talk to her. So we're going to go ahead and turn it over to Lisa and her episode, and she will introduce herself for all of you. Hey, guys. I'm, I'm so happy to be here today um, and, and to chat about these topics um, yeah, so I'm Lisa Genoto. Um, I am, you know, my, my blog and my heart is thecastlerun.com. Um, you also see me a lot on Instagram as the Castle Runner, um, and the Castle Run also has a Facebook community. Um, so I'm, I'm present in a lot of spaces. Um, and, and really the gist of, of where I'm coming from is, um, you know, obviously I've got, you know, an enormous passion for Disney and, and run Disney. Um, but really to take a step back and sort of um, give people permission to pursue and redefine a life that speaks to them. Um, for me, that's Disney. For somebody else, it might be something very different. Um, so, you know, you'll see a wide range of things on on my blog and in my content in general, um, you know, because, you know, sometimes I'm just reviewing a meal that I had at Disney or, um, you know, talking about an experience there. But I'm also not afraid to kind of take a step back and talk about the process that I'm going through, which, of course, we'll get into more, you know, as we're talking about the process that I'm going through and, you know, sort of walking away from a more, um, you know, a, a, a more, you know, society defined type, you know, version of success um, to, to my own version of success and happiness. Oh, I'm so excited for this interview from just everything that you've already said. But <laughs> before we get into all of that and your love for Disney, just tell us about your background and what kind of things you have been involved in before you started the Castle Run and really started putting yourself out there with your love for Disney. So, um, I mean, that's a Pandora's box of a question, of course. <laughs> um but no, I mean, um, you know, I think up until a few years ago, I lived a life that was very sort of, you know, ideal resume type, you know, picture. I, um, you know, did my undergrad at Columbia University and then I went to Harvard Law. Um, you know, I worked in New York on Wall Street doing mergers and acquisitions for a big firm for many, many years. Um, and then did a similar, you know, type of work also, especially in, in mergers and acquisitions in big law, um, in DC. Um, for years and years. Um, and, you know, life was kind of, you know, going by, I kind of knew it wasn't fulfilling me. But, um, you know, I, I grew up in a kind of family where, 
you know, I was taught to be happy. I had a job and was making a good living. And, you know, I just thought I was a little bit of a nut for not, not being happy with it. Um, and, you know, life was sort of, you know, going by in the meantime, I had a husband and I had two, two young children and life wasn't getting any shorter. Um, you know, we, we can get into this more, more as well. Um, you know, but, but my, my father got sick, um, you know, about five or six years ago and, um, had a very tough battle with leukemia and we ended up losing him. And sort of in the process of all of that, I just sort of had a, you know, a, a lot of epiphanies and wake up calls about how short life is and, um, you know, the, the, the courage to, um, to redefine my happiness and, um, you know, and, and long story short, now I live in Disney world and I've walked away from that old life. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of factors sort of came into play to get me from here to there. Um, but yeah, my, my background is sort of a, a picture perfect resume that, that did not make me happy, despite the fact that society might have thought that it should have. Um, and, um, and what I'm trying to do is sort of share my, share publicly my journey of, of redefining that for myself. Mm -hmm. I think that there's so much to unpack there. And I think there's so many people, <laughs> including both of us, that, have felt similar sentiments as that. Um, so I know that it, it's so helpful for people to understand that that's not unusual for people to go through those feelings, but to kind of lay that foundation um, to learn the origin of kind of how the castle run got off the ground. I know you've shared it on other interviews. We actually were watching your interview with John Sakari, uh, big fat Panda earlier yeah. today about Aww. kind of what run Disney and, and running played for you you know, what role it played in, in therapy and, and, you know, how it all came together. So if you could share that story, I think it serves as a really great foundation for people to understand where you're coming from. Yeah, I agree so much. Um, and, um, yeah, I love talking about it with John as well. Um, so, you know, like I, like I mentioned before, and it, it, it's going to come up, it's, it's a buzzkill and I'm sorry, it's going to come up, you know, time and time again in this conversation because it was such a, such a turning point in life for me. But, um, when, you know, when my dad was diagnosed with leukemia and, and became ill, um, I've always been a fitness nut. I've always been a health nut. I've always, you know, tried to work with food and exercise and all that good stuff to, you know, maximize how good I feel and how well I'm functioning and all that good stuff. Um, but um, I was never really a, a runner other than as a warm up for a weight workout or something. Um, but when my dad got sick, um, I was always big, I've always been big into meditation and other ways to clear my mind. But when my dad was sick, um, meditation just wasn't working for me anymore as a way to clear my head and sort of get my mental files in order. Um, and so I started running like I started running a mile and then two miles and then five miles. And it just, you know, just as, as a way to sort of get the ick out, but at the same time, be like mentally processing in a way that meditation or something like that has had served for me in the past. Um, and so I, I kept doing it and it, it became sort of a, um, a healthy vice to deal with that, you know, difficult time. And then when I lost my dad, um, 10 months after he was diagnosed, I kept running, um, you know, still as, uh, as just sort of a way to process it had become sort of an ingrained part of my life at that point. Um, and then I remember, um, finding out and this all kind of weaves together because after leaving my dad, we can talk about this, this as well. But after, after losing my dad, um, about six months later, we sort of got a get, get out of Dodge trip to Disney in, uh, with the family just to kind of escape, you know, what we had been dealing with and get down here, um, and sort of fell in love with Disney again at that time. And then I remember, um, finding out that the princess half marathon, um, that was coming up was two years from the date of my dad's death. Um, and at the time I was just like, heck yeah, like that is just going to be my, I am still kicking like, you know, thing to tell the universe that I'm, you know, I'm still here. I'm still, I'm still strong. I'm still kicking. Um, and so purely, you know, for symbolic reasons at that point, um, you know, I signed up for that run Disney half marathon. Um, and, and it, became just sort of this merging of the two, you know, great loves of my life at that point, running in Disney. Um, and I did run that marathon and it was fantastic. Um, it was beyond anything. It was a wonderful experience, um, as anybody who's run Disney can, can attest to. Um, but then I came home from that trip and nothing had changed. I was still, you know, I, I, 
I guess I had been dealing with work and lo- the loss of my dad and like all these other difficult things. Um, and when I registered for that race, I had this sort of symbolic thing that I was training for. So I was working 400 hour months and, you know, exhausted and, you know, missing my father and, you know, all, all the other things that were, were going on in my life that were challenging, but I had this sort of symbolic thing that I was training for, um, that gave it all meaning. And, um, I went and I ran the race and it was fantastic and, and, and meaningful and, and my, you know, things word to the universe that I was still strong and kicking, but I came home and then nothing had changed. Um, I still had the same job. I still had the same challenges. I still had the same, you know, everything. And I, I kind of broke at that point. Um, I think a lot of people crash after big victories. Um, cause you're, you're, it, it's sort of, you hit that climax and then come back and, and, um, you know, and, and, and you have to sort of find that purpose again. So it was around that time that, um, we got the gears in motion to get me out of the big law job that I was in. Um, because I, you know, I, I kind of realized after that race that, um, you know, I, I was getting more from running than, you know, a healthy vice to deal with my issues. It was also bringing me mental clarity in other areas of my life that I wanted to improve. And that's a big, that is such a big decision. I know just from, us making the decision to kind of transition Brendan from his like corporate type job to starting the podcast and everything. And then you even took it a step farther and kind of transitioned your life to actually move closer to Walt Disney World. So what kind of led you to that bigger move and that transition and kind of making this new career for yourself to find this freedom in Disney? So again, a Pandora's box of a question. I feel, I feel terrible because I feel like I'm like giving these answers that just sort of skirt the surface. And I'm hoping that, <laughs> that I'm, that I'm saying, you know, enough to, to help people, um, you know, go through this process. But, um, but no, I think when, um, I, I alluded before to that sort of, um, get out of Dodge trip that I had taken with my family, um, six months after losing my dad. And all I can say is like when that plane landed in MCO and we were staying at the boardwalk for that trip. And I just remember like touching down at, at, you know, at, at Disney at the boardwalk and just like breathing the air and smelling the smells and just, it just something meshed with my soul during that trip. And it's happened to me before. Like I said, I went to, I did my um, undergrad at Columbia in New York city. And when I was, you know, finishing high school and in that phase of my life, that was kind of the same vibe that I would get when I went to New York City. Like when I would come into New York City and sort of the energy of the city would mesh with me. And I just knew that that was the place where I was supposed to be. Um, it was that same feeling when I got here. So it it just it, it, it just meshed and everything felt right. And the community felt right. And um, you know, and, and I knew that it was sort of where I was supposed to be. And so we started coming here a lot. Like, you know, a couple of times a year for vacation became, you know, every three months became maybe I can shoot down for a weekend this month. And we were just coming down a lot, like a lot. Um, and, um, and after I left my job, um, and we were sort of self-employed at that point and fully portable for the first time, the big challenge for me was my mom. So I'm an only child. I'm very, very close with my mother. Um, she's very, very close with my children, her grandkids. Um, and she's very firmly rooted in Baltimore where I grew up. Um, so I started sort of talking to her about it and the conversation when I finally got up the nerve to have it with her was basically like, I, this is a real thing. Like I really do want to be down there, but I can't do that without you. I'm not leaving you. Um, and her response to me during that first conversation was, no, you're just, you're not going to go knowing that I'm not coming eventually. So she didn't want to feel like she was following me down, but perhaps she would come at some point. Um, you know, and, and to make a long story short, you know, um, you know, we did get the gears in motion and we, we did get ourselves down here and we have a beautiful, beautiful community of people around here and friends and family. Um, my mom has not followed us down at this point. I don't know if she ever will, but we've sort of hit a rhythm with her visits and, and spending time with us down here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think to make a long story, you know, somewhat short, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's where I need to be right now. It's the place that meshes with my energy and, and, and who I am and, and the process that we're going through. 
Um, and so we, we found a way to make that happen despite, you know, family commitments and, and all that good stuff. For sure. I think one of the biggest kind of, um, thing that that's hit the closest to home for us of doing this podcast in our short period of time. So we just started it back in August. So I guess we're almost coming up on a, I don't know. I can't even think about the time period. (laughs) But anyway, you know, when I was going through my corporate struggles of I went to grad school, found out that I was not heading down the path that I wanted to, I always thought that I was on this lonely island, that I was the only person in the world who thought Disney is the one place that I want to be right now. You know, I'm listening to WDW radio. I'm watching Tim (laughs) Tracker videos. I'm doing every single thing I can while I'm at home you know, to immerse myself in that, you know, feeling. And then we open up, like you said, to use the term again, this Pandora's box, there's all these different people all around the world who feel the exact same way. So I'd imagine a lot of people in in that same boat have Googled how to make a career out of Disney or (laughs) how to get a job that's Disney related. (laughs) So can you talk about kind of how you settled on, blogging. And then I know you had the Etsy store for a while. Kind of how did you put yourself into it in order to reach that fulfillment that you were yearning for, you know, and feel that connection to Disney? So I think I'll start by saying like that I will never minimize like the difficulty of the decision or the process in getting from point A to point B. Like, you know, I was in a job that made me miserable for upwards of 14 years, um, knowing I needed to get out, like knowing it was the right thing. And, you know, at the time I was putting my husband through school, I had children, I had a mortgage and, and I will never make light of anyone's process in trying to get out of something that makes them unhappy to getting to a place that makes them happy, be it Disney or living in Tahiti or having a farm in Iowa. I mean, whatever your dream is, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I, I would never, um, minimize, you know, the sort of quote unquote, just go after it, you know, mentality is, it, it, it is a hard thing. Um, so, um, for me, like, I, I think it's just sort of, um, you know, as far as what you're going to put your time into, I think it's just sort of what speaks to you and what feels like the right medium to be communicating at any given time. So for me, um, I know like when I was leaving my law job or when I was thinking about getting out of my law job, my husband would often just say to me, well, what's your dream after this? Like, what's the thing that you would like most to, um, you know, to, to do once you get out of this. And over time I was so toxed out, like I've become so toxic from being in that environment for so long. My answer became after, after time, like I, I just need time to detox and rediscover my voice. Um, and, and, and sort of figure out what I want next. I mean, I think work had become such a toxic connotation in my mind, um, at that point that I just needed the, the time to organically grow into whatever I was going to be doing. So for me, the blog initially and still really was just a way of finding my voice. Um, I'm a writer at heart. I, you know, that's my, that's how I connect with people. That's how I share my story best. Um, and and that was sort of a safe place for me to put on paper or put on computer, um, you know, what I was going through and sort of rediscover my voice, you know, while connecting with other people. And so the blog is always going to be the heart of what I do, I think. Um, and it's funny, like when I started and I, and I was and initially I was I, I did have and I will probably go back to it. It's on it's on hold right now, but I have an Etsy shop um, that really was just sort of a side way of um, bringing in income while I was going through this process, um, because, you know, being, you know, having some sort of financially, not, not full independence, but having, you know, a, a, a financial means was, is always important to me. Um, and so, um, you know, I was, I had the Etsy shop going and, and now that sort of the blog and other things are becoming more successful and the Etsy shops just started to feel like a distraction, I have put that on hold. Um, I started my Instagram account really to drive traffic. It's funny to my Instagram and my blog. I'm sorry, to my, um, Etsy and my blog. Um, but Instagram obviously has become sort of a voice in itself and that visual medium feels right sometimes. 
Um, so from day to day, I mean, I do try to make sure that I'm contributing to the to the blog um, or you know working on the blog on a very very regular basis um, to keep that communication going with um, with its audience. Um, Instagram is more of sort of a like day to day visual medium. So I've that 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 would that began as um, you know just a, a way to drive traffic elsewhere, but that's sort of become a medium in itself. And then my Facebook group, the Castle Run Community. Um, it's just a lovely way to sort of have an, um, a more in-depth um, back and forth with the people who are sort of core in the community that I've built. Yeah. I love that you just kind of as you've grown over time and you've been on this journey that you were able to kind of take a step back and decide, you know, which avenues were the most important because I think that's really important for people to – kind of reflect on too as they decide to, you know, start something new or take on new projects that, you know, even though, like you said, you started the Etsy store for a while and then you realized that maybe that wasn't where you needed to spend most of your time or it wasn't what you were the most passionate about and like being okay with letting that go. I think that's really important, not letting it go because you might go back to that eventually if you want to, but I think just being able to like reprioritize yourself is really important for anybody to do. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, you just have to not, first of all, like don't worry about what everybody else is doing. And I mean, that should be an ongoing theme of this conversation because it's such a challenge, especially in this Disney community um, or really any social media community, I would think to like stay, stay on your own path and, and not be distracted by what other people are doing. Um, you know, for me, you know, the blog, you know, and, you know, writing is my great love. And so the blog will always be close to my heart. And probably, you know, I would expect that the blog will always sort of be the heart of what I do at the center of what I do. Um, you know, I do love Instagram and that community that's grown there. I love photography and I love that visual medium and being able to share sort of my day to day with people through that. And so that has come to get a lot of my, my attention as well. Um, you know, and then Facebook is the place where sort of, like I said, like that more intimate conversation conversation happens with, um, you know, the more core members of the community. Um, so I, you know, I think in my mind, things are sort of, sort of starting to settle down into sort of where my various voices will go. Um, you know, at the same time, you know, do I want to experiment with YouTube? Do I want to have a podcast myself? I mean, they're, they're all the sort of ideas that you bounce around and, you know, and you see what other people are doing and it's inspiring. Um, but I guess that sort of stay in your own lane mantra is, is so important to sort of make sure that you're doing, you know, what's right for you in any given moment and not what is working for somebody else. Certainly. I think that it's, and I think you said that perfectly, that it's not necessarily that you can't go into that avenue's but if you are going to reach out, you can't stretch yourself too thin and you got to make sure that you're doing it for you, not that you're just trying to emulate what someone else is doing. Um, one thing that I wanted to touch on, and then we'll jump into the fast pass round, is a word that even in your blog post you kind of allude to. It's kind of a buzzword. It kind of has a negative connotation with it now. But fulfillment, um, <laughs> you know, it's talked about so often now with people in their careers. But it is a word that we personally have struggled with for a long time of what does that mean? Are, is it, is there something wrong with you if you don't have it, you know, out of the career that, that you're currently in, if you could just talk about kind of how you went down that journey to figure out what fulfillment meant to you and, and how do you take those steps to get closer to it? So it's God, that's such a good question. Um, so I think and I think a lot of us were probably raised by parents of a similar generation. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, you and, and other, you know, listeners, um, can identify with this. So I was raised, you know, and I think I briefly mentioned this before. I was raised by parents, especially my dad, um, who I've, you know, had a lot, have, have a lot in common with, had a lot in common with who was of the mentality in that generation. If you, if you've got a job and you're making good, good income, then you, you best be grateful for that. And, you know, stop asking so many questions about sort of being fulfilled. And, you know, I, I remember like going back to work after um, my first maternity leave with my son and I was telecommuting one day and he had been, he was over, he was helping with my son. I remember getting a telephone call um, from work and basically finding out that the rest of my week was shot. and I was going to be away from my newborn and, 
all that good stuff, closing another deal. Um, and I remember being close to tears and my dad who never minced words, um, God bless him. Um, it, you know, was like, you know, stop crying. Like you've got a good paycheck. Like most of the people, most people in the world would kill for like what you've got. Um, and that's what I was raised with. And, and I don't dispute that. And I don't think that that's wrong. And I do think that that generation's mentality toward, um, employment, um, and, and money-making was, was very different. Um, but I also think that employment is more all-consuming these days. And, um, and for me, like it, I wish that I had been fulfilled by the job that I was in. Everything would have been so, so easy. If I wasn't fulfilled by the job that I was in, I was good at it. Um, it paid darn well. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, like, like I've said, I think on paper it looked ideal. Um, but it didn't fulfill me. And when you're billing 400 hour months and you're not fulfilled, then you've got a problem. Um, so for me, I think, you know, I, I've struggled with this a lot and I've thought about the idea of fulfillment and the idea of happiness so much. Um, you know, and, and I think that, you know, it's funny because the tagline on my blog is something that I don't necessarily know if I agree with. It's fine. You're happy and go there. Um, and I think that the happiness is, is, is the journey. And I think the fulfillment is in the journey, um, and, and in the process and in the people that you connect with in the process. Um, you know, and, and I think that in being fulfilled by this, you really just need to know what the why is of what, what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, for example, I'm not writing my blog because I want somebody to know where to get the best margarita in Disney world. Um, I'm writing my blog because I want to give other people the courage to do what I know I was scared to do for so long, which was walk away from something that everybody else thought was perfect in order to recreate a life that spoke to me. Um, and so I think that, um, you know, I think that if you're going to be fulfilled in your life, whether it's, you know, as a stay at home mom or somebody who does what you and you and I are doing or somebody who's, you know, an attorney in big law or, or anything else, like you just need to sort of keep in mind why it is that you're doing what you're doing and making sure that you stay true to that path. I love that so much. That was such a good <laughs> answer. I mean, it really was. And I thank you so much for sharing that with us. That was thank great. You know, we'll just give you the login for the uh, podcast if you just want to take it over <laughs> for me right now. <laughs> no, but I think all of that is so important to hear. And, you know, just everything that you've mentioned so far throughout all of your responses and just, you know, looking for that fulfillment, recognizing that if you're not happy, you know, looking for those opportunities and it is hard and just recognizing all of that. I mean, I think those are things that anyone who's been in a situation like we've been in, you know, it's important to hear and just knowing like you're not alone and it's possible and it's hard, but like the happy is out there. And it's hard stuff, right? Because like, I mean, I know for me, um, you know, when I was in this big law job and it was miserable and it was awful, but I had to do it because I was supporting my family. It's like, it sucks, but it's not your fault. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's like the days can be hard and you can be tired, but it's like, oh, but I'm doing it because I have to. And, and, you know, there's this sort of like passive misery in it and it's, it's, it sucks, but like it's easier to deal with sometimes than like being fully responsible for your own happiness. Like I have, you know, the life that I lead right now that I am so lucky to lead right now, if I'm not happy or fulfilled at the end of the day, when I put my head on my pillow, it's my fault. And that's tough. Like that's tough stuff because like, if you're not fully aware and there are days when I'm definitely not, like if you're not fully aware of like what you're doing and why you're doing it, and like what sort of the end game is and like this whole crazy, like I just spent the whole day writing up margaritas <laughs> <laughs> type, type life. Like it's, it is challenging. Like it's, it's definitely, there's a challenge there in like taking the reins of your own happiness and, you know, being proactive in it because all of a sudden, like if you're not happy, it's on you. Um, and that's hard sometimes. I mean, I know that that might be hard for some people to identify with, but um, but there is like a challenge in taking responsibility for your own joy um, that you don't have to deal with when you're just doing some miserable job because it pays the bills. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't agree with that more. 
you know, I think that so often people who are in a scenario where they're looking for an outlet, you go, you run full force through the first door that you see open. And for me, I ran straight from a job I hated straight to a job I hated even more. (laughs) (laughs) And so it is just so important to be self-aware of of understanding that there, as tough as it is, there is a certain level of patience and self-awareness that has to go into it to make sure that you really are going into better opportunities and working closer and closer towards what you're what you're trying to get to. And and if it is starting your own endeavor and you're gonna bear that responsibility of 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 your own happiness on your shoulders, I think you just gotta make sure that you're you have the right mindset and you're in the exact right uh, you know situation to be able to succeed in that. Yeah, and just like give yourself permission to have hard days. You know, like I live in Disney World and like sort of work in this space, you know, as a living right now. And that's wild and incredible and amazing. And it's like, sometimes I feel like I don't have the right to have a bad day. Um, But it's still real life. Like my kids still get sick. I still have spats over stupid stuff with my husband. I still have to go grocery shopping and fold laundry for hours at a time. I mean, it's still real life, right? Like, it's just that my real life exists in this space. Um, and so I think like just sort of going into it, you have to know that, you know, and, and give your permission, yourself permission to have bad days and give yourself permission to have moments where you don't know what you're doing or why, um, you know, and just, just be kind to yourself in the process. Catherine, if your sister is listening right now, she's like screaming at us through the phone <laughs> because she's a cast member in Walt Disney World. And we tell her all the time, like, you can't be sad. You you, work, you in- work at Disney for a living. <laughs> what do you have to complain about? <laughs> I think that is, a, you know, such great perspective to know that although the, the overwhelming majority <laughs> is fulfilling, life still goes on. You still have the, you know, the emotions and the ups and downs. But we could talk about this stuff all day long. For hours. We love this stuff. Yes. <laughs> but we want to make sure that we get this fast pass round in so yes. that our listeners can get to know your Disney fandom a little bit better. Yes. So the first question is an easy one. Just name the Disney parks that you visited. Um, so obviously Disney World. I live here. Um, Disneyland. I've only been to one time um, for D23, and I'll be going back this year. Um, and then um, when I was much younger, um, I lived in Japan and was at um, Tokyo Disneyland um, then. But I have not been back since Tokyo Disney Seas opened. Ooh. Oh. So of all the parks that you've been to, which individual one is your favorite and why? So, I mean, Walt Disney World is my heart and um, that's that's my favorite, of course. Um, do you, like specific parks within Walt Disney World? If you can narrow it down, I know it might vary by like the day of the week and festivals and everything else that <laughs> oh, goes on. Oh, it totally on. varies by the day of the week. But I mean, Epcot, <laughs> it's Epcot. Like it's, it's, Epcot is sort of like when I, before I moved here, when I would have those moments when I'd be at Disney, like enjoy this moment right now, because like, you're like, you're going to have to go home eventually. Like they, they were always in Epcot. Um, so, I mean, I like the other parks. They're wonderful, but Epcot's where my heart is. Mm-hmm. Is there a particular festival or country or something that you love about Epcot? So I love it all. Um, I, I I have a tight history with Japan. I took Japanese through college and beginning law school and um, lived and worked in Japan for a while. So um, the Japan Pavilion is always going to be special to me. Um, I love the American Adventure Experience and Voices of Liberty. Um, and then for festivals, I feel like whatever is happening in that moment, I'm like, this is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, Flower and Garden is happening now. So I was about to say, but it's probably Flower and Garden. But that's, that's why. But no, I think I think it really is Flower and Garden. I think like the food options are amazing and a little more manageable than at Food and Wine. The park looks insanely gorgeous. Um I love like the Garden Rocks series. And then like my kids just love the butterfly tent so much that I love when it's up and they can go there. Ooh, I'm pumped. We're going in like 37 days or something like that. <laughs> okay. We've never had Violet Lemonade. I don't know how like we can consider ourselves Disney fans. I know. But we've never had it. So <laughs> that is like stop number one. Yeah. yeah and, then, and then go get the Violet Socket. <laughs> Ooh. Now we have a list. <laughs> so of what would be one trip would, that would be at the top of your Disney bucket list? 
Um, so I haven't done Shanghai. Um, so that's, that's, and when I was in Japan, seas had not opened yet. So I think like an Asia trip where I did Shanghai and Tokyo seas, um, would max out my bucket list completely. Mm-hmm. I feel like Tokyo seas always at the top of everybody's list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, gosh, like I can't even fathom, but, um, and like, and I'm just such a Japanophile um, that the fact that I haven't seen Tokyo Seas breaks my heart. So one day. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one would be, what is your favorite Disney resort? And it doesn't necessarily have to be one that you've stayed at. Um, so I'm split pretty evenly on this one. My definite answer, like with all my heart and soul is Boardwalk. Um, when we did that, that trip I talked about, like after my dad passed away, um, when we all came back and like everything just sort of clicked into place in my head, we were staying at Boardwalk that trip. And I just love being like Epcot is my heart resort. Some people have a heart dog. I have a heart resort. Um, Epcot is my heart resort. And, you know, obviously it's like right at the back door. You can walk to studios. Like I just love like the vibe at Boardwalk and like being able to like sort of run into, um, you know, the street performers and stuff as you're walking home. Um, at the, you know, at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, so boardwalk, I think is my heart resort. That being said, Polly is like right up there with boardwalk these days. I just like the times that we've stayed at Polly recently. Um, it's just, it's such a beautiful resort. I love the views. Like I just love the vibe there and the restaurants and Trader Sam's and the beach and the, it's probably my favorite pool and property. Um, so boardwalk is my heart resort, but Polly is up there too. I was, I, this is not going to be time relevant to our <laughs> listeners when this drops. But the day that we were recording this, I saw your post a what was that a Dole Whip lime margarita or something like that? I was trying to explain it to Catherine. Oh my gosh! Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I pride myself on researching the various drinks at the Disney Resort. <laughs> And actually, like, I feel like I look like such a lush because I think it was last week I just put up like a list of the 22 top drinks at Disneyland, which was originally going to be like a top 10 and then it became 20 and then I was like, yeah, 22. Um, so yeah, the, um, the, the barefoot, um, pool bar at the Poly mm-hmm. comes out with these great drinks. So they've had this rose gold margarita on the menu for a while that's fantastic. It's like guava and ginger and it's got like this like gold rose gold sugar rim. And it's always been one of my favorite on property, but they just came out with this lime dole whip margarita with a chili salt rim that is to die for. Like I I just got it finally for the first time today. Um and again it's at the barefoot pool bar um at Polly and it is so good. So so good. I'm in love. I know. We're we have so much envy right now that we're not there able to get one. <laughs> yeah, like you need to go there to get one when you get here. It's so yes. it's so good. And it's great because it's not like like it's a lime flavored margarita. So it sort of tastes like a margarita is supposed to taste, except like with a dole whip kick. It's it's so good. Mm. That's everything I need right now. <laughs> we should have added we, th- that's a new question that we're gonna add. Favorite margarita on property. Favorite margarita. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good one. So next one would be if you could only fast pass one ride for the rest of your life, which one would it be? So I when I saw this question initially, I was like thinking that it was like I could only ride one ride and I was having a hard time. And I was like, oh, fast pass. That's like way easier. So if I can only fast pass one ride. So at first I was thinking, oh, well, then Flight of Passage, of course, because it's Flight of Passage and the lines are three hours long and it's the best ride I've ever been on in my life. Um, like the first time I rode Flight of Passage, like my friends were with me and they were like, so? And I, I was like, it's like joy is a ride. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that, that was going to be my answer. And, but then I thought about it more and I thought about my kids and I, I, I want to say flight of passage, but I also think I'm going to say test track because my kids are obsessed and there's nothing interesting about the test track queue. So it's not like you're missing something when you're not in line for it. And I just couldn't imagine like taking my kids to Epcot and not having the option to grab a test track fast pass because that's all they ever want when we go. So I think I'm going to like not say flight of passage because I do think it's worth the three hour wait. Um, and I do like the queue. 
and I don't need to ride it all the time. Um, and instead, I'm going to say test track so that I can continue to get my kids onto it when we run over after school. Oh, that's a good one. I, I'll say I'm a big test track lover, probably for that same reason. I was obsessed with it as a kid for whatever reason. Like that's the only ride I ever wanted to ride. And now it's always too long and Brendan never wants to wait with me. <laughs> It makes me sad. <laughs> yeah. And when you just, they have the single rider, but then you don't get to design a car. And like my kids, like my kids have grown up on test tracks so much that like, you know, my eight year old can design like a 230 point car. <laughs> they just love it so much. Um, and like whenever I run them over after school, that's like the only thing they want to do is like go to the DVC lounge and watch the trains in Germany and ride test track. Um, and so, um, yeah, I think I would have to say test track. Like I could deal with just riding flight of passage, like occasionally when I was willing to wait Mm -hmm. and it has a cool cue. So (laughs) for sure. So sticking with rides, which ride do you think is either due for an exit or a refurbishment from the park? So I don't think anything is due for an exit now that stitch is closed. Um, (laughs) I'm sure that was the easy answer that you got for a long time while it was still open. Yep. For refurbishment, I don't know, like I was thinking about this and I feel like a lot of the rides that need refurbishment are like so like so old that it's become nostalgic. Like the last scene in Carousel of Progress like needs to change, but at the same time, I'm so emotionally attached to it at this point that I don't know if I would want it to change, even though I know it will, will one day. And I mean, you know, there's rides like the Two Little Mermaid rides like at Magic Kingdom in Hollywood that just, you know, I mean, I rarely bother with because they're so outdated. But I don't know. Like, I'm excited for the changes to come to Spaceship Earth. Um, like, it's one of my all-time favorites. Um, it's, it, it might be my sort of most nostalgically favorite ride on property. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't hate the fact that, like, they're going to be giving it some love. So I, might, I think I'll say Spaceship Earth. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised you don't love the 80s light show in The Voyage of the Little Mermaid in Hollywood <laughs> Studios. It's a classic. Like, I think we did it once. In the <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I, yeah, it just, it's not my favorite thing. But. Not to go on a tangent, but we've done it the last couple of times because, like. It's hot. We need a cool place to stay. And every, I, growing up, I always remembered, like, if all else fails, of course, the the puppets are really great, and I always thought Ariel was a really great performer. But the last couple of times, like her volume is really low, and you can't really? hear her very well. So I'm not sure what's going on because that was always always my fallback. Well, if all else fails, just look at the cool lasers and hear Ariel. <laughs> now you maybe just it's got like the, the poor globe and illuminations, and they have to stop bothering to fix it because yeah. it's going out soon. <laughs> Could they be. must be because you really cannot hear her. It's weird. Yep. I don't. I honestly like. I don't. Rem- I think I do remember the last time that I was on that I was in there. But God, it's it's probably been five years. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's air conditioning. So. <laughs> yep. True. So our next portion is our favorite segment, all about food. So, what is your favorite snack or a go-to snack? So, um, my favorite snacks are things I shouldn't eat that often. (laughs) So, um, you know, my, my list is long and loving and longing. Um, so I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of like the, the plain old like Mickey pretzel with cheese dip. Like that's, that's a good one. Um, and I love, love the sleepy hollow waffles, like the, the spicy chicken and the, um, Nutella with fruit. Mm -hmm. And I'm also a huge fan of the school bread in Norway. Um, all that being said, I don't partake of any of those like that often because living here, it can catch up with you really quickly. Like they say calories don't count in Disney, but when you live here, like, I think they sort of start to count. Um, so I, when I do want to indulge like more frequently, I, a lot of times I'll just get that, um, chocolate chip pineapple. And if you've ever had it before, it's really good at the confectionery. Um, and then they've got it at some other locations too, but, um, it's like this, um, skewer of really fresh pineapple and it's dipped in dark chocolate. Mm. We need that. I feel like we have heard that recently. Yep. We've seen it at the Germany Pavilion in the Werther's um, place. They have them in there sometimes. That's right. So sticking with food, what's your favorite table service and quick service restaurants? So, I mean, obviously it depends what you're in the mood for, but I think like our most frequent go-to for table service is um, Art Smith's Homecoming. 
-hmm. in Disney Springs. They just like have such consistently amazing food. Um, my kids love it. I love it. My husband loves it. Um, they've got great food. Their drinks are insane. Like I could drink their moonshine all day. Um, and the hummingbird cake is to die for. And I also think they have like just really fantastic service and like the space is gorgeous. Um, so that's my, that's my quick answer for table service, even though I could talk about table service restaurant <laughs> restaurants here for an hour. Um, and then for quick service, um, Satuli, Satuli Canteen in Pandora, um, is my quick and easy answer. Um, the bowls there are so good. Like the, um, my go-to is the chicken on the potato hash with the creamy herb sauce. Um, it just, I, I, as far as like in park food, I think like their quick service blows everything else away. It was my, it used to be Tangerine Cafe was my favorite. Um, but Satoli's taken over. Um, and then I also have fallen in love with Polite Pig at Disney Springs. Ooh, yes. We like Polite <laughs> yes, Pig too. <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> so next one would be your favorite character meet and greet moment. So this was the one I didn't have a good answer for. <laughs> I feel like I don't have like this one single interaction that is so memorable to me. I think just I've, I'll say like every interaction I've ever had at 1900 Park Fair is probably my answer. Um, at like the the stepsisters, um, elsewhere too, but like 1900 Park Fair, they're just phenomenal. Um, and then the breakfast, um, the breakfast there has the Mad Hatter, and I've I've bumped into him at Epcot too, and he just cracks me up. We like. I saw him, he was doing a character pop-up at um, International Gateway um, last week. And I I posted a picture on Instagram, like about our interaction. I was like cracking up in the picture because he was telling jokes. Um, so yeah, I think like they all happen to be 1900 Park Fair characters. Um, but like, I would just say like any interaction I've ever had with Mad Hatter or the stepsisters. So this is kind of, this isn't one of our typical fast pass questions, but I was just thinking about it. Since you do so many run Disney events and they always bring out cool characters, what do you think is the coolest character you've seen on a course? So, um, I mean, most rare character I think was like Hades during the marathon last year. That was pretty amazing. Um, and then this year during the marathon, they had the grave diggers from Haunted Mansion. But the coolest thing I've ever seen on a course, and they do this regularly at the marathon, isn't actually a character. It's the extinct attractions. Um, so as you're coming um, down one of the open roadways during the marathon, they have this space where they've got like the ride vehicles from um, – Snow White and 20,000 Leagues and the old Horizons vehicle, like all just out and you can take a picture in them. Um, so it's not a character, but it's definitely my favorite um, photo experience during the races. That is so cool. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. I had never heard of that. I guess because you don't know too many marathon runners. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's only during the marathon, but it's the coolest thing. It's like the 20,000 League submarine and like the old Horizons vehicle and it, but Mr. Toad's um, car is in there. It's, it's so cool. Well, Catherine, we were planning for the princess half, but we might have to change our plans now. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't think I can run 26 miles. I'll just walk. I'll just like crawl to get to the what mile is that at? Like 24. <laughs> and then we'll get picked up by the balloon ladies. <laughs> we'll just ask the balloon ladies to drop us off at the ride vehicles. That's awesome. So next one. Next couple ones are probably the most difficult questions for a lot of people, but your favorite Disney movie. Yeah. Oh gosh. Like what a week to be asking me that, right? Like, <laughs> are you guys Marvel people? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm like fully expecting this answer to change for me in the next few days. Um, so I'm a huge, huge fan of the MCU. I did not grow up on the comics, but I've fallen in love with them via the movies. Um, and I like, I think my most frequently watched, I mean, Infinity Door was amazing, but I think my most frequently watched of that, um, of that group is the first Guardians movie. Like it, I just, I think I put that on more than any other movie that I own. Um, I love it. Um, you know, there's all the other like easy answers, like toys, you know, the first Toy Story and like my kids grew up on Tangled. So there's that, like, I'll always love Snow White because of all the history there. 
I'm going to throw in one though. Like I'm going to give an answer that I don't know if it's my absolute favorite, but I just want people to watch it if they haven't. And it's the live action Cinderella. Have you guys seen it? Yeah. So I just think it's the most beautiful, like messaged and like visually stunning. Like it just feels like your eyes are being massaged by the movie the whole time that you watch it. But just the message of it is so beautiful um, I don't know if it's like my all time favorite Disney movie, but like, I just want to give it a shout because if anybody hasn't seen it, I just think it's such a beautiful, beautiful movie, like the way that was done. And I'm not a huge fan of like all of the live actions to say the very least. Um, but like, I don't know. I just think there was like the story of the original, I think was just loose enough because the movie was old enough that they just had a lot to work with. And yeah, I'm I'm just gonna give a shout to live action Cinderella. It might not be my all time favorite, but I do I do want people to watch it. <laughs> that's that's so and there's so many people out there who, you know, study, you know, how many marketing dollars go towards this movie and how did Disney push this movie over this movie? I've I'm so interested in learning why that movie really didn't catch on as much. Because it is very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think like it was at the very beginning of like the live action madness and Maleficent had sort of been its own movie, you know, like it wasn't like it was a retelling of an old tale and the live action Cinderella. I think one of the reasons it was so great was that they like casted great actors instead of casting like big names, mm-hmm. you know, and so you don't have like Beyonce or Emma Thompson or whatever. You've got just like two beautiful like characters that uh, yeah, I mean, it was such a quietly done movie. Um, and I just would love for more people to see it because I think the messaging of it was so beautiful. And again, like I think to its credit, like it worked so well because it's not like it had this very well-defined storyline that it needed to either stick with or stray from. Like Beauty and the Beast like was a very tightly scripted original movie. And so I think they were a lot more limited in what they could do. Um, with the live action, um, Cinderella, I think they just had like, they made Prince Charming a real man, like a real character. And they created like motivations and personality. And, um, I don't know, it's, I think it was just such a well done movie and, and just beautiful. And like, just the sort of, um, like I said, like the messaging behind it was just something I want my kids to see, you know, for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. So the next one would be your favorite Disney song. So this has got to be When You Wish Upon a Star. Um, and it goes back to my dad. Um, so when I was a newborn, like a very, very, very newborn, um, my parents would eat dinner at night. And then after dinner, like every single night, um, from what I'm told, and there are pictures of it, like my dad would lie down on the couch and put me on his chest and sing When You Wish Upon a Star to me to sleep. Um, and you know, I was an infant, so I don't remember it, but I've seen the pictures and, and, and just that as I grew up, when you wish upon a star and Jiminy Cricket was just a very special bond that I had with my dad. Um, you know, and obviously it's all the more important now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's gotta be like some part of your subconscious that like it's imprinted into, and you know, you have that special connection with it for sure. It is. And I think like, and I, I, you know, I, I talked a lot about sort of my dad and the way he raised me and sort of the, um, you know, the sort of, um, his generation, I think was so cued into, you know, finding work that pays well and being grateful for it and being grateful for having a job. And so, you know, he's been, you know, he's, um, we lost him, you know, before this whole process started for me. And, you know, I think that, you know, what he would think of what I'm doing now is, something I think about a lot um, and, you know, whether or not he'd approve and whether or not he would, um, you know, look, look down upon sort of that I've chosen to walk away from the security of the living that I had. Um, Anyway, when I hear that song, I think maybe he'd be okay, you know? So. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) So the next one would be your favorite Disney quote. So, yeah, I think I, Listed 15. (laughs) (laughs) I told you I'm bad at these types of questions. But no, I I mean, I'm going to go back to live action Cinderella and just Cinderella and just say, have courage and be kind. I mean, it's it's my mantra for life. Like, have courage and be kind. You know, what? it's five words that just sum up how you should live your life. Um, So that's going to be my answer. 
Mm-hmm. Good one. So our last question of the Fast Pass round would be your favorite Disney parks memory. So I think probably just the finish line of every Disney race I've ever run. Um, and I, I think maybe my first dopey. So if, pe- if people are listening that don't know, the dopey is the challenge of um, marathon weekend where you do all the races over the course of the four days. So you do a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, and a full marathon for 48.6 total miles over the course of four days. Um, and it's just a very intense, like all-consuming experience. And like, you know, you're just – body is just hurting so 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 very much by the end of the marathon um but it's just it's amazing intense like experience that you just sort of have surrounded by your community and um as you're finishing the full marathon they do this at other disney races but it's just special at the marathon like as you're finishing it you're sort of circling um around the side of spaceship earth and then out into the parking lot for the finish line and as you're running that last like you know, quarter of a mile of the full marathon, you're running through Epcot at the end and they're playing, I can, they're basically blaring, I can go the distance um, from Hercules. And then as you round out from the, like into the parking lot at that exit, there's literally a gospel choir singing. Um, you may think for a moment that you might've passed on, but you have not. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's just like that moment of like that sort of exhilarating, like, oh my gosh, I did it. Like I finished and like, you're like soaring through Epcot, you're, you're passing Spaceship Earth and they're blaring, I can go the distance. And then like you circle around and there's a gospel choir singing. Um, I always say like, I don't care like how fit or unfit you are. Like the 5Ks are on time, go to a 5K because you will never experience like as, as much as some people love Disney, it breaks my heart that they've never experienced a Disney run. Um, because it's just such a unique way to experience the parks and it's, it's, it's just such a beautiful experience. Um, but yeah, no, I think like those finishing moments of the long runs are, are my favorite experiences at the parks. That's good. I'm ready to sign up for one right now. (laughs) (laughs) John was too. (laughs) Yes. Did you ever do it with him? Um, he ended up having some like personal conflicts, so he wasn't able to do the last 5k, but I think we'll do wine and dine together. Oh, we got to sign up or we, we at least got to go down there and be part of the cheering crew. Oh, I would yeah. love that. And our cheering team is amazing. Amazing. <laughs> I do have to ask, cause this is kind of off topic, I guess again, but after running like, what do you say? 48 point, whatever, six, six <laughs> miles in four days. How do you even start to recover from that? <laughs> so I think you just have to know your body really well and like train, like, train like an animal (laughs) and like to sort of know like what your body can take because you can't like sprint out any of those races you kind of have to know going in um so like for me it's just all about like really intense training going into it making sure like I've done the back-to-back runs and then like sleep I think is the most important part because you're waking up at 2 a.m basically for 2 or 3 a.m for the races um which can catch up with you over the course of four days with running those distances if you're not getting to bed like stupid early Um, so yeah, I mean, just making sure that you're taking care of yourself a lot, like fueling the way you need to and getting rest and all that good stuff, um, going through it. And I will say like after my first dopey, um, in 2018, um, I could like could barely walk. Like I, my friend and I went to, um, the spa at Shades of Green, um, to get massages and stuff the next day. And she had just done the half and I had done the full dopey. Um, and (laughs) like, I could barely walk the stairs at Shades of Green to get around. She was like running around, like trying to find where we were supposed to go. And I'm like sideways, like hobbling. <laughs> I was a mess. And I remember like we went to Shula's to celebrate and like I'd, my tables in Wonderland had expired. So we had to like book it over to the Epcot Guest Services, like International Gateway um, for to buy tables in Wonderland before Shula's. And I just remember like hobbling around the boardwalk to get from the Dolphin over to um over to International Gateway and it was a mess. So yeah, I mean that was that was rough. Um this year I definitely like trained better and was better prepared. Um and yeah, like I, I finished the the full of Dopey this year like feeling amazing. Like and I think I bested my time on the marathon by like an hour. Um so yeah, I mean I think you just need to like take care of yourself and train like a nut and yeah, just make sure that you're taking Epsom salt baths and getting rest and all that good stuff during. Ooh. And don't plan like any big <laughs> events for the don't plan any big events for the next week. <laughs> yeah. 
Man, I feel like for me, the the wake up times is what would get me. Yeah. I don't know if I could do it. I agree completely. Like, I think the waking up is the hardest. I think the waking up is that like you're when like when your alarm goes off at like 2 a.m. for four days in a row and it's to do these long runs like it definitely catches up with you. And that's my first piece of advice to anybody planning a race weekend, especially if they're planning to do more than one race, because like you can totally underestimate, especially if you're here on vacation, like with family and they want to like go to the parks and have dinner and like jump around and do stuff. And it's like, no, you like, you need to make sure that your family understands going into that weekend that you are going to be in bed at like six or seven o'clock PM. Like take your melatonin, take your ambient, like (laughs) do whatever you need to do to get yourself to sleep at a decent time. Because I totally, totally agree with you. Like, it's the waking up. Like, maybe if you're doing one race, it's fine because you can just crash after. But, like, if you're doing a series of races especially, like, those wake-ups really catch up with you. Yeah. That is one where you got to splurge and get, like, the royal rooms at Port Orleans or something. (laughs) Like, something with, like, the comfiest beds that you can possibly imagine. Yeah. You need good beds and quiet and a very understanding family. So, (laughs) yes. Well, awesome. So, Lisa, our very last question is something we ask all of our guests, and it's if you have one piece of parting guidance that you can give to someone who's looking to jump into this community and there's a content creator or maybe they want to start their own products, they're just looking to take that next step, what would be your advice to them? So, I mean, and I alluded this to this before, but I think like in going into this and, you know, allow yourself to experiment with the mediums. There's so many like areas of social media that you can explore and play with these days from YouTube to podcasting to blogging to Instagram, you know, and just sort of give yourself permission to play with it all and sort of feel out where your community is based and, um, you know, where your voice sort of resonates the most. But more than anything, I think just like what I said before, just know in your heart, like, why are you doing this? And like, what's unique about you and your perspective that lets you bring something to this that nobody else has? Or not so that nobody else has, but that's unique in some way. Um, because if you get caught up in comparing yourself to other people, like it's a tough space to be in. I think like any social media space is challenging. I think the Disney space is can be really challenging. I mean, you've got people who are, um, you know, gaming for numbers and, and doing their thing. And, and I don't hate on that at all, but it's, it's, you know, it's, you know, a game that you have to decide whether or not you want to play. Um, and you know, just, just be true to yourself. I mean, if you are, you know, only in it for your Instagram like count, then you're probably in it for the wrong reason. Um, and just, sort of staying true to why it is that you're doing this. I mean, like I said, you know, I mean, I might be talking about a margarita one day or a meal I had the next day or just sort of a heart-to-heart experience with my kids the next day. Um, But the larger picture for me is, you know, and the why of why I'm doing this is that I want other people, whether they be Disney fanatics or something else, to, to feel like they have permission to, to redefine what brings them joy. And if I get, you know, a message from somebody, you know, once a week or once a day or anything else, just saying like, thank you so much for giving me permission to pursue my happiness, um, then I know that I'm doing it for the right reasons. And, you know, I can feel like I'm serving my purpose regardless of how many Instagram followers I have. Um, so I think that's the heart of it. I mean, it's a crowded space, um, and it can be really, really challenging. It can be, um, it can be aggravating at times if you're not keeping perspective on why you're doing it. Um, and you get caught up in, you know, things like the numbers. Certainly. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love that. That That's so great. I didn't tell you this beforehand cause I didn't want to be like weird, but your message has fallen on me so many times, either through WW radio or WDW radio, you know, your blog and everything like that. And it's really spoken to me. So I'm so happy that we were able to do this interview because I know that you are sharing such a great message with so many different people and so many people who are struggling and trying to find the right footing and, and find their happiness. So I thank you so much for joining us. And I thank you so much for sharing your story um, with us on the podcast and on the blog and everything else. Thank you so much. It's it's been such a pleasure talking to you both. And, um, you know, I, I know we're kindred spirits in, in what we're doing. Um, you know, and it's, it's always hard to come into these conversations. I mean, you've got a lifetime of experience and reasons and rationales and 
um, you know, all that, all that behind you and to try to kind of sum it up, um, you know, in, in a short conversation is, is always a challenge. And so I've, I've appreciated, you know, how beautifully you've read this, led this conversation and, and, you know, whether it's you or, you know, anybody who's listening, um, just know that like, I know how hard this is. And, you know, if anybody, I, I, I love when people reach out to me, um, you know, and if, if, if anybody listening, um, you know, if this speaks to anyone or questions arise, you know, never, please never hesitate to reach out. Perfect. One last thing, if you can remind our listeners where they can connect with you online. Yes. So um, you can find my blog at The Castle Run, um, just one long word, thecastlerun.com. Um, you can read everything I write there. Um, and there's a contact form there. You can also find me on Instagram at The Castle Runner. Um, you can find my account there and contact me through that. Um, I'm also on Facebook um, at um, in in my community there is just, just called the castle run on Facebook. So you can pull me up there and I have a page there as well. So plenty of ways to reach me and I will respond as quickly as possible to all of them. Well, perfect. So we'll be sure to put all of those links in our show notes. And again, Lisa, we're just so thankful that you're able to join us today. We love talking to you. Thank you guys so much. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for listening to detour to Neverland. Subscribe to the show and leave a review to help more people find us. Follow us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland underscore podcast to see our pictures from the parks. See you real soon.